Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com, Wellstart Health and Sick to Fit. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a kind and connected life. So today's guest is Karen Smith. Karen is a plant-based registered dietitian, a runner, sub three hours in the Boston Marathon, baby, and an all-around good person. At Progressive Health of Delaware, which includes my ultimate Frisbee buddy and podcast guest and lifestyle medicine superhero, David Donahue, Karen counsels patients on improving their diets and their health with a combo of skills, her registered dietitian training, her knowledge of plant-based nutrition, which she did not learn in school, as you will hear, and coaching techniques from the Wellstart Coach Training Academy. Hey, that's my school. <laughs> Karen wasn't all that excited about dietetics when she made it her career choice at the age of 20, and her enthusiasm only decreased when she got internships and jobs at long-term and critical care facilities. So in addition to like the usual subpar nutritional protocols, which you know if you've ever been to one of these places and you see the, the mush and the meat and the dairy and the, and the jello cups and the insurers, the residents of these prisons, as she puts it, weren't allowed outside. They weren't given social support or attention, and they more or less withered away from a paucity of human regard and kindness. Then following a divorce and an existential crisis, Karen found a woman's running group and reconnected with a sense of her own worth and purpose. One night, listening to public radio, she heard Joel Furman, author of Eat to Live, and she was immediately certain that she had found the answers that had eluded her in her career and practice up to that point. So she went out and got Eat to Live, devoured it, figuratively, I believe, and then went on to discover the rest of the pantheon. Neil Barnard, Caldwell Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, Michael Greger. And armed with this knowledge, Karen set about broadcasting the truth about plant-based living to her patients and colleagues. The problem was she had not learned the counseling or coaching skills to help her pa patients make these changes. And her response to lack of success in making the change was to talk faster and louder. And in our interview, Karen kindly credits the Wellstart Coach Training, which begins this week. If you are interested, we have you have one more day to uh, sign up for that. And I'll give you the details in just a minute. She credits the Wellstart Coach Training for giving her the tools to become an effective change agent for her patients. And her dream is to create a community-based, affordable, plant-based cheers like Lifestyle Health Clinic. Imagine... Cheers, except instead of um, 
beer and idiocy. It uh, it provided lifestyle tools and advice and community to help people live healthier, happier lives. The place where where you have a community where everyone knows your name. Um, and and this clinic would provide not only nutritional guidance, but kindness and human connection as well. So I think you're going to love Karen's vision, energy and spirit as much as I do. And we'll get to it in just a minute. But first, the Well Start Coach training started this week. And our first live call, the thing that you don't want to miss is tomorrow, Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday or even Wednesday in the morning and you want to have what Karen got a superpower of helping you help other people get traction on their health goals, on their life goals. Um, check it out. It's wellstartcoach.com. Second, I have to admit that I haven't been doing that much one-on-one -on -one coaching lately with everything else that's been going on with Wellstart Health, with the coach training, with Sick to Fit, with some book projects I've been working on. And last week, I signed up two new one-on-one -on -one private coaching clients, and I am having a ball. So very selfishly, I want to invite you to consider signing up for a year of laser coaching with me. Um, I'd like to take three more people on, and that will fill up my dance card for the foreseeable future. Um, you can go to plantyourself.com slash laser, all lowercase, L-A-S-E-R, and read about the I think, incredibly affordable program to get unlimited one-on-one -on -one coaching with me for a whole year for under 200 bucks a month. Um, it's a very smart model that I learned from a friend of mine in a different field, and I'm applying it, as far as I know, the only person applying it in health coaching world. And if you have been struggling to get traction, if you've read all the books, if you've watched all the documentaries, if you listen to all the podcasts, and you're still out there, you know, binging, giving into temptation, not participating in physical activity the way you want to, and you're just frustrated or ashamed or feel guilty or confused, check it out. Well, um, what's it is again? Oh, yeah. Plantyourself.com slash laser. And if you want to drop me a line and ask me questions after you read that page, I'd be happy to. HJ at plantyourself.com. Again, three more folks, and that would just make me such a happy camper. All right, let's get to today's show. Without further ado, Karen Smith, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Hi, Howard. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, definitely want to thank you for all the work you're doing. Um, your podcast is uh, definitely a source of joy in my life every Tuesday. I can't wait to listen to the new episode. Oh, thank you. Like, 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 I need that kind of pressure. <laughs> well, I, well, now I'm like, man, I have to live up to a lot of amazing guests. And so I hope I can fill some pretty big shoes. I know this is this is starting out so meta. That's uh, <laughs> this is like the uh, the self-conscious podcast. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's start. Just tell, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am a mom and a runner. I'm vegan and um, I'm a dietitian and diabetes educator. I work for a really awesome uh, practice in Wilmington, Delaware called Progressive Health of Delaware. 
and the practice was recently voted like the best medical practice in the Philadelphia area. We we have amazing uh, plant-based doctors and practitioners who really emphasize uh, lifestyle medicine. And so, you know, I help uh, facilitate a number of group programs there and meet with patients on an individual basis as well. Cool. And how long have you been a dietitian? Uh, 14 years. Yeah. So when, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say most of those years I have not been plant-based. And so now I feel like I have a lot of um, making up to do for the wrong information I provided people for about eight of those years. Yeah, that reminds me of when Garth and I were working on Proteinaholic, he had this other book, you know, over his shoulder, like he gave out the wrong advice. This one's got to be like twice as loud as that one to make up for it. Exactly. So what made, first of all, what made you want to become a dietitian 14 years ago or 17 whenever you started? (laughs) I have no idea. I, uh... (laughs) Did not know what I wanted to do um, as an 18-year-old. You know, I'm like, I, I, honestly, I started out uh, majoring in elementary and special education. And, you know, after a year and a half, I thought, I'm not quite sure that this is for me. And nutrition sounded interesting, but it wasn't something that I was super passionate about. I've always enjoyed um being in the kitchen and I come from like a line of uh, women who are just amazing at preparing meals and um, like bringing people together over food. And so I thought that was something I'd like to continue, you know, in my family, uh, those traditions. And as an athlete, you know, the, the impact that food had on my performance always interested me too. But I really can't say that, you know, I I had this um, desire to change people's lives. Like I wasn't quite sure what I was getting myself into at that age of, you know, 20. Uh So you were, you were an athlete, you were a runner at that point? I was, yeah, I ran in college. I ran cross country and track. Um, and, you know, prior to that, I, I got into running um, like my senior year of high school. I decided to run cross country because the other sports I played um, always involved running. And I realized, like, I'm pretty good at this running part of the sport, but not necessarily good at <laughs> like other aspects of like, like hitting a ball or passing a ball. So I like, thought maybe I should uh-huh. just stick with the running. Uh, like you could get open, but like, you know, I'm open, but don't throw it to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, uh, yeah, running kind of became my thing. I loved it. And, um, I remember telling my family like over dinner, like, you know, I, I really think I, I want to get a scholarship to, to run in college. And my dad was like, Oh, you have to be really good to do that. And so I was like, then on a mission, because I perceived that, you know, as, as a challenge, like he didn't believe I could do it. So, um, that, that was my mission then to, to prove him wrong. Oh, did you? I did not, not anything major, like no full ride or anything, but like the little bit of scholarship that I did receive made me feel really accomplished for sure. 
Gotcha. What's 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 your best race ever? Who? Oh, well, it was not in college. Um, my best race was the Boston Marathon in um, let's see, 2015, I think. I ran a 258 <gasps> in like pouring down rain and wind and like I still to this day I'm like how the heck did I do that um but yeah that's that's my best race for sure wow a sub three Boston mm-hmm. hey, congratulations thank you okay uh, so you so you're you're 18 years old you have no idea by the time you're 20 you're like well maybe early childhood education isn't for me but I like to cook and I'm an athlete. So what did what did you study when you, you know, turned your attention to nutrition and dietetics? Like what, what were you learning in those days? Uh, I learned a lot about, you know, biochemistry and anatomy and physiology and definitely remember learning lots about specific nutrients. Um you know, having like chapters to read on protein and carbohydrates and all the vitamins and minerals. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember much of an emphasis on like practical application of like working with patients. Like that was, and, and maybe it's because I just wasn't super passionate about school at that time either. I don't know. But I feel like what I learned is not really um helpful in like the work that i'm currently doing mm. other than having like of course like you learn the fundamentals of nutrition um which is important as a dietitian but i don't remember like a rigorous um coursework in like how to read research and and understand it i certainly did not learn about dean ornish or like uh, dietary patterns that are shown to prevent and reverse disease. Um, and so when that door was opened for me, I was just like, oh my gosh, how did I, how did I not learn this? <sighs> the other thing that I didn't learn was the impact that our food choices have on, um, you know, so many other aspects of, of life, how our food choices impact the environment and, people who work in the food industry and, and animals. And I think all of those things are super important for people to understand when, when, you know, choosing, choosing foods and um, being kind. So were there classmates of yours who were excited about biochemistry, physiology and all that stuff? And were like, yeah, this, you know, this um, this chapter on protein is amazing. Like, were there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there certainly were. There were all the, you know, uh, as a dietetics major, the majority of people in my classes uh, were women. I remember, I think there were like two men in, in my classes at the time. Um, and... Yeah, there were certainly people who like sat in the front row of every class and answered all the questions. I was not one of them. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it took me a little while to really like figure out what I was doing. I definitely didn't feel like I chose 
uh, like something that was going to give meaning in my life. And that was, you know, part of part of my struggle for many years after school, too. Like I wasn't sure what I was doing or why I was doing it. Mm. It's almost almost like your uh, your lack of enthusiasm may have inoculated you against being um, brainwashed into be into remaining that kind of dietitian. Ah, perhaps I never thought about that. Right. Like the, I, the ones who are like, oh, this is great. I've got all the tools I need. I can help you with your macros and your meal plan. And I understand, you know, protein catalysis and all this stuff like would be less open maybe to, you know, all the all the weird stuff that you discovered. That's very true. Could be. So you I assume graduated and started practicing. What was your what was your first job? So actually, I graduated and then I realized like, well, I knew before I was going to graduate that I had to do an internship and uh, I didn't have the money for that as soon as I graduated. So I actually worked for a year to establish residency in Delaware because I figured like I like living there and I could... um, apply for the internship through the University of Delaware, and it would be more affordable for me if I was first a resident. So I worked actually as a coordinator of a Meals on Wheels program Hmm. for that first year out of school, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, And then I was accepted to the internship program. And so I had to, you know, gain some like practical um, skills and actually like working with dietitians and and practicing what I had taught. And that, that was probably the year that taught me the most. Like for me, I learn a whole lot more when I'm actually doing the work, um, so what in a did, practical what, setting. Yeah. What'd you learn? Um, hmm. <laughs> so I, I learned, well, I did work in a, um, uh, hospital for chronically ill people. So I saw a lot of different um, diseases work like people with a lot of different diseases working there or interning there, um, like Huntington's disease, lots of people who were on, um, tube feedings for various reasons. Of course, chronic diseases like diabetes and kidney disease, you know, people on dialysis, um, heart disease. And so, um, you know, a large portion of my time was spent calculating, nutrient needs like all these people need a nutrition assessment and um and then building a plan to show like how they're going to meet their nutrient needs based on either their tube feeding or the food that's provided by the facility um and that's definitely a challenge in facilities (laughs) whether it's hospitals or long-term care facilities um where i've spent um a number of years working previously you know it's just like kind of challenging to make sure people are getting really healthy foods when they're they're not available mm. so mm-hmm. if I, if i had come to you at that point and said hey i'm a average guy what should i eat to be healthy what would you have told me oh my goodness Howard, I would have told you, I probably would have calculated your calorie needs and your protein needs and how much fat you should have. And, and then, you know, given you the, 
the typical uh, dietitian rundown of like eat foods in moderation or like, you know, choose lean meats like chicken and um, drink skim milk uh, instead of whole milk. Um, and of course, fruits and vegetables, like I've always understood that eating fruits and vegetables and beans and whole grains, like that those are the basis of a healthy diet. Um, and yet I would say that I really didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know what to tell people, to be honest with you. I kind of felt lost. Like I kind of felt like what I was telling people, like I wasn't seeing it, um, uh, help people with, get the results that they wanted whether it was to improve their diabetes or high blood pressure or to lose weight. Um, so I, I got to a point where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't even know what I'm telling people. Like if it doesn't seem to be working um, and yet this is what I was taught. Were you in contact with other dietitians who are having the same issues? Like, you know, chatting like I don't know what I'm telling people it doesn't seem to work what are we doing <laughs> no 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 I think I was part of like that I was part of the group of dietitians like if we're all doing the same thing I don't think I realized at the time that it wasn't working like now looking back I'm like oh yeah that totally wasn't working um and I was still getting the same type of message though in like, especially because I was working um, mostly in long-term care facilities at that time because I had two small kids and like the hours were great. Like they were very flexible. Um, so like I went to work to perform a job and like meet my responsibilities to pay bills. Right. Like it wasn't like I was going with this purpose of like necessarily improving people's nutrition status, especially because it was in long-term care. And like, if you've ever, I mean, that's a whole other topic of discussion. It's just really sad. It's like, these people are in prison. They never see the light of day. Like the fact that this is what we do to people in this country, like pe older people or people who have chronic disease and can't care for themselves. Like it's really sad. And, and the types of foods that are served, like the quality of food, it was so poor that like, I kind of felt like it was out of my control to some extent, because even if I wanted people to have lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, they just weren't available. Um, and so being stuck in that mode of like going to work, doing a job and the dietitians I was communicating with were all working in similar facilities, right? We were going to like the same educational opportunities to learn about how to make sure people in long-term care are getting enough protein so that their, uh, their wounds heal or, you know, making sure that we have, or making sure that we're not giving them too many supplements because that, you know, throws the budget all out of whack if you do that. So we have to help them eat more um, ice cream and uh, <laughs> whole milk to like boost up their calorie intake. Like this is what I was being told to do. And like, obviously now I know like, oh, it's just making people even more sick. And, and, it's, and it sounds like even if the food 
had been perfect, they still were living in in environments of of deficiency in terms of all the other aspects of being human. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's so sad. Like one of your, so your podcast is just amazing because you interview people who then like my list on audible of books to listen to is, is great. Um, uh, But how healing works is, is one of my most recent listens on audible and you know it really took me back to my days in long-term care like i don't know how people can heal when they don't see the light of day right like you're you're stuck in a room you really have very little say over what you do throughout the day um you know what day of the week you get a bath or shower even um and you know, of course, people are going to be sad and depressed in that situation. And instead of thinking about like, oh, can we change the environment here? What if we take people outside every day, right? It's like, no, let's just give everybody large doses of vitamin D and and trial a whole bunch of different antidepressants. Mm. Okay, so so you went into this career without much enthusiasm. <laughs> you're now seeing that you're you're facing a system where even the limited truth that you do possess isn't implementable. Um, I mean, a lot of people just do jobs to make money and then they have, you know, lots of fun things going on in the rest of their lives. Like that's a that's a pattern. That's a, you know, it's a template for living a reasonable life. Not everyone needs to totally love what they were doing. What, what was going on in the rest of your life at that point? Was it, were you compensating for your work with like an amazing life? No, (laughs) I wish I could say I was. No, I, um, I'll say that one thing I knew that I wanted, like when I was 18, um, was to have a family and to be a mom. And I come from, like, I am so grateful for my family. I had such a wonderful upbringing. Like, we just, you know, my my mom's family, my dad's family, like, we would go on family vacations with all of their brothers and sisters some years. Um, or maybe it was just my mom's side or my dad, like, my dad's side. But, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, like, we just always had a great time. And I wanted that. I wanted to continue that. And so that was like the one thing I knew I wanted. And so now I, um, you know, had two young daughters and I felt like I was failing because the one thing that I really wanted to do, um, I didn't think I was doing well because I was going to work and dropping them off at a daycare center. And while it was a wonderful daycare center um, and they had, you know, really good care, um, I wanted to be giving them the care during the day. And so I had a lot of uh, uh, guilt over not being with them and uh, and just kind of wondering, like, what am I doing? Like, what's my purpose here? And so, yeah, I started looking for things, right? Like, um to kind of fill this void in my life, I guess. And, and, and they weren't good things. 
um, I kind of reached a point, like I was just feeling really depressed and like, I wasn't sure, um, what, um, uh, how to achieve like this state of, of happiness that I wanted or balance in my life with, with being a mom and having to work. Um, and I kind of just started isolating myself and, um, engaging in some behaviors that were not healthy just to kind of like escape the reality that was my life. And so ultimately, um, I ended up, uh, going through a divorce and, and so, yeah, my life was like a lot of, um, stress and, um, and guilt and, uh, just like wondering what the heck am I doing and, um, and sadness for a number of years. Um, and yet that provided me an opportunity. Like I kind of hit rock bottom emotionally. Like I remember going to my primary care doctor who I knew from working in the long-term care facilities. That's how I chose him because he would come in and see the patients there. And I, um, I'm fortunate to have like never really been sick much of my life. So I just chose him because I needed to have a doctor and I went to see him and I hadn't realized that I had lost some weight because I just wasn't really eating um, because of stress. And, you know, he said he wanted me to try an antidepressant. I think it was Paxil uh, because I just wasn't myself. Like he realized that, you know, I, I wasn't, the normal happy Karen that he was used to seeing. And I reluctantly took the prescription for the Paxil, but I remember telling him like, I don't need to take pills. I need to change my life. And so that like hitting that place of just like feeling really, um, out of control, um, got me to a place where I was like, all right, I need to do something about this. Mm. And, um, yeah, so, so I did, like, I, I looked at the, uh, this, this opportunity as something where I could, um, learn and grow and, and try some new things and like accept the responsibility for the fact that my marriage had ended and, and not go down that road again. Yeah. So, I mean, one, one thing that is, is following a divorce, your the problem of not having enough time for your kids was, I imagine, made worse. Uh, well, I think in some ways it improved huh. because my ex-husband and I had joint custody, like we split custody. And so on the days where our children were with him, I did things for myself. I started running again because I hadn't been running consistently. And I met up with a woman whom I had run with in college. And she invited me to run with her and other women in the morning. So like every morning at 445, this group of amazing women would meet at the local YMCA and run together. And it was women of different ages, different running abilities. Some of them would, um, you know, walk, but there were probably about anywhere from like maybe six to 12 of us who would show up and just go 
go out together. And I getting back into running and having this group was a really critical piece in my healing process for sure. Hmm. What, what did, what did they give you? Um, well, lots of laughs for sure, <laughs> but also the accountability of just like showing up, you know, like the one woman who I would call the leader of the group, Helen Ann, um, you know, I knew that without a doubt she was going to be there at 4:45, rain, snow, uh, you know, freezing cold temperatures, she would be there and I didn't want her to be by herself. Um, and so like, I can remember just running in, oh my goodness, freezing, freezing cold. Like, I don't remember what the wind chill was, but I think we did 12 miles. And by the end, like I had like little ice, uh, crystals, like in my eyebrows, <laughs> And and was freezing. And yet after all of those runs, like it's they're just running is so healing for me on an emotional and mental um, from an emotional and, and like mental health standpoint. And um, yeah, just like the talks that we would have on the runs or the runs, like sometimes it was dead silent and and just being out there at 445 in the darkness and sometimes the cold. Um it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome just to like push your body. Like, it's not like I always wanted to get out of bed and meet these people, but I never regretted doing it. Oh, and it sounds like it was kind of a, an antidote to the isolation that you'd been experiencing. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, the fact that my children weren't with me every night made it possible for me to get out to that group. Right because they were too young at that time for me to be able to leave them alone at 4.45 in the morning and go out for a run. So um, so in a way, like the divorce allowed me to explore some, some new and different opportunities to, to grow and, and, and to heal. Mm. And I know you you didn't say, and so I want to, of course, respect your privacy, but I'm curious about any of the non-healthy coping behaviors that you alluded to? Oh, yeah, sure. Like alcohol. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, not that I necessarily had. Um, I knew what I was doing was unhealthy, but it was just a way of like getting out or maybe just engaging with with people who I knew were leading me down a path of behaviors that weren't necessarily good for myself or my family. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> so just, just, you know, take almost, almost like a Paxil, right? Like take, yeah, taking you know, something you like, to, to cope. Yeah. To just kind of like, escape right like and that that doesn't work it doesn't fix the the problem it doesn't it doesn't help you face like your reality like I needed to face my reality and and what was happening um and and take action to change that or to to move on whatever but um you know looking for things outside of myself to make things better it just doesn't it, it didn't end well 
so when you you hit this rock bottom emotionally, what were you know, you joined this running group, you had camaraderie, you got, you know, blood flowing through your veins and oxygenating yourself. Um, once you had that kind of space and clarity and you looked at yourself, what did you see that you wanted to to change? Mm, well, I also had therapy, so I do want to say that like that was so important um, for my healing as well, like seeing a therapist and talking through, um, you know, what was happening in my life. I had that as well. Um, but what I saw, um, you know, I saw that um, I was accepted. I think I had this notion that I, I that I was broken, that I was a failure, that, um, you know, and running with these women, like it just helped me see like, oh, we all make mistakes. We all have our stories to tell. And like we can get out of that rut of telling ourselves that, you know, we're not worthy of of being part of a group or being loved um, because that's not true. And, you know, the, I think these women also helped me see, like, I could achieve a whole lot more than I thought I could. Um, because before meeting them, I never would have thought of, you know, getting up so early and going for runs. And, and, and they certainly are the ones who inspired me to run my first marathon, for sure, um, and do many more since then. Um, yeah, they they – they empowered me, I think, to know that I could start over and, um, you know, like do whatever I wanted to do um, and that I did have a purpose and, and you know, kind of, you know, they weren't the ones who, who helped me discover plant-based nutrition, but certainly I think they helped me recognize that um, – I could use my abilities to help other people. Mm. So, so you're kind of growing yourself from the inside. You're forgiving yourself. You're loving yourself. You're seeing this spark of of worth in you that you want to share. And you're still a dietitian. Are you still working in these long term care and critical yeah. care facilities like that, that in some sense that must have been even harder now that you had like this service and, pur and, and purpose alignment. Yeah, so it was around that same time, though, that I heard uh, Joel Furman speak, uh, like just happened to be like flipping through the stations late at night, like after my daughters were in bed and came across Joel Furman on PBS. And I was like, what? this makes so much sense. Like everything he was saying just made a whole lot of sense. And he had research to support what he was saying. So I, you know, went and ordered his book, Eat to Live right away and read that in like two days and said, yep, we're changing how we eat. And um, just started down that rabbit hole of like, okay, what's next? What other doctors are, you know, Dr. Neil Bernard and Dr. Esselstyn and Colin Campbell and all of these books and nutritionfacts.org, like finding all of these resources and learning about, and Dr. Dean Ornish, like learning all of, like learning the truth 
about nutrition. And it just, it made so much sense to me. I mean, on a fundamental level, like I am someone who doesn't want to take medicine myself. Um, you know, I, I, I think I believed even back when I really didn't know what I was doing in nutrition, like that food can be medicine. I just didn't know how yet. Right. So now I understood like, wow, look at the power that food has. And I felt so much more confident that I'd be able to help people. Um, and yet my approach after learning all this probably wasn't very good because I just thought like, I have to tell everybody (laughs) about this and everybody's going to want to change. And if they don't want to, I'm just going to like, you know, really pound them until they do want to change. And, you know, as you know, that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a professional, you've had years of study, years of internship, years of practice, and yet you hear somebody at late night radio (laughs) who invalidates everything or many of the things that you have been taught like obviously not all dietitians have this experience not all doctors have this experience not all nurses have this experience what do you think made you open where where so many of us would just say you know like i've i've like the more i know the less open i am to to do knowledge what 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 do you think allowed you to take all this in uh well i think my mindset at that point was just one of being more curious, right? And well, hopefully we'll get to talk about your coach training program that I've recently gone through because, you know, you know, a big part of what helps people change, right, is to to be curious, right? That your mind is just more open. And, And so I realized what I was doing at the time, like it wasn't helping people, right? Like, telling people to eat chicken and drink skim milk does not reverse their diabetes. And so if this doctor is saying that, you know, eating plant-based foods reverses diabetes, well, hey, like, why not give that a try? Because what I'm currently telling people is certainly not working. And what is the harm in eating plant-based foods? Like, I knew that... There wasn't anything bad that was going to happen to me or anyone that I recommended this to. Um, And so why not give it a try? And did you start with yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Immediately. It was like, all right, no more, no more meat, no more eggs. I no more dairy. I mean, all of it. It was like. You know, of course, like there are times where I would like flip back a bit, but pretty much within a very short period of a few days, I was figuring out how to eat plant-based. And how old were your kids at this time? Um, at that time, let's see. So they were probably about, that was six, so five and, um, and eight. Okay. Yeah. And I'm asking, cause I remember when I, first read the China study and discovered this way of eating, my kids were like, I think almost that same age, like I think it was like eight, eight and four. And I became a tyrant. <laughs> and I did a lot more harm than good. And, and I had probably more control over what they ate 
than you did, given that there were, you know, you had partial custody. What was that like? Uh, you know, it went fairly smoothly, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't remember, like, sitting down and having, like, a huge discussion. I just feel like I started changing the foods that we were eating and um, not really worrying about what was happening, you know, on the nights that they weren't with me um, or days that they weren't with me. Um, and as time went on, I started to educate them on the other impacts that our food choices have, because for me, that, that is truly what helps me be vegan. Like that's not helps me. Like that's, that's why I'm committed to being vegan. You know, like I, just, you know, want to live in a, in a way that, um, you know, embodies my, my values. And, you know, I don't want my food choices causing harm and destruction and, you know, all of that. So, um, I started sharing that with my kids when they were pretty young and, you know, they just, they didn't, they didn't want to eat meat anymore. Mm. Um, I wish we talked <laughs> when I was doing my thing. I could, I could have used that advice. Well, you know, I'm not sure that I did it, <laughs> uh, you know, the right way. Like, I guess it just kind of it, it kind of worked out for me. But, you know, there are certainly other areas of parenting, parenting where I'm sure we could <laughs> yeah. Help each other. Right. So <laughs> what did you notice in yourself when you switched to plant based diet? Um, I would say I just felt better, like I had more energy. Um, certainly my complexion improved. Um, I don't ever worry about my weight at this point, right? Like I just eat. Um, for me, one of the biggest things is, is just having a sense of freedom. Like food does not take up a large portion of my day anymore or thinking about food, right? Because now I just understand, like I'm hungry. I eat fruits, vegetables, beans, lentil, you know, I eat all these whole plant-based foods until I'm full and I move on. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with grabbing whatever's in my fridge. You know, earlier, I, I'm like, oh, mixed greens, mushrooms, some hummus, I'll mix them together. If I'm still hungry, all right, I'll have some steamed broccoli, right? Like, I'm okay with that. I don't need, like, gourmet meals. Um, because I have a lot of other things to, to think about throughout my day now. So I love that food is just, like, easy, you know? Uh-huh. Did that come to you right away? Because you mentioned coming from a family of, you know, of oh, cooks no. and chefs, like to get to the, no. I, in my experience, it's hard to get to the place of easy. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy at first. Like I remember trying, trying so many recipes, some of which were super labor intensive um, and not really liking them. And, and my family not really liking them. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, like I just wasted so much time. Um, scratch that one off the list. Never make that again. So, no, at, at first and definitely like the holidays and, and social events, you know, getting through those um, occasions where food is such a, a priority. Um, 
you know, that was definitely challenging at first and, and now it's, it's not. And so, yeah, I love when I get to work with people and help them, you know, along this journey and, and hopefully help them understand that, like, you know, it takes practice. You're learning something brand new. You've got to retrain uh, your brain to think in a way that it hasn't sometimes, you know, for, for people, they've, their ha- food habits, um, are ones that they've had for decades and decades. And so, yeah, it does take some patience and, and forgiveness, right. On the days when you might not make the choices that you want. Um, but it does get easier for sure. Okay. So you're still working as a dietitian in the, in the, in the industry. Now you've not only sort of, you know, improved your inner life, but you've discovered that everything you had been teaching and everything you've been taught <laughs> is wrong or or inadequate or irrelevant. Now, what do you do? It sounds it feels like the rubber band is pulling really tightly. So I love how life works because uh, I saw a job posting on Facebook for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They were hiring a dietitian and this was not too long after I had changed, you know, my eating habits. And I thought, I'm going to apply for this job. I had no idea that I would be hired. You know, like I was just thinking, oh, yeah, I'll apply. We'll see what happens. But I never imagined that I would be called for an interview. And I ended up working there. Um, so I just think it's awesome, like the way <laughs> – life works when your mind is open and you, you know, go for you, like you put yourself out there a little bit. Uh-huh. Were you, were you, were you nervous or concerned that like you didn't have a, a background or a pedigree and the, like, yeah, I was. Um, and yet when I went there for my first interview, I was like, Oh my gosh, I found my people. <laughs> <laughs> And I just like did not want to leave because everyone who works there is vegan. And it's just it was such an amazing opportunity, um, you know, to work to work for such an amazing organization. Hmm. What, um, what year was this? That was 2015. OK. Yeah. So you so probably like Neil and Ann Levin and. Yeah. Yeah. Susan. Susan, Susan Levitt. That's right. Yes. And lots of other amazing people that I still talk to and consider some of my closest friends. Cool. And, uh, and from there, you found your way to the Progressive Health of Delaware? I did. Yeah. I met Dr. Donahue and Dr. Zarek, the, the owners of Progressive Health at um, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine one year. And we just started chatting. I met because Dr. Donahue stood up and asked one of the presenters a question. And when he introduced himself and said he was from Delaware, I like beelined over to him after the, uh, <laughs> the uh, discussion to introduce myself. And we just started a conversation and kept in touch. And he was starting this program for people with diabetes. And, you know, eventually I made 
my way up to working with him and, and for progressive health. Um, not because I didn't love the physicians committee. I'm just not, um, I'm not a city girl. I, I discovered <laughs> I much prefer living in a, uh, you know, more rural area. So when you were working as a conventional dietitian and you had your charts and your meal plans, you, you knew what to do, right? You had procedures. <laughs> what do you do when now? Now the answer is, you know, eat lots of plants. Don't worry about your macros. Like, did you how do you, you know, like, how do you maintain a sense of expertise when the answer can feel so simple? Like what 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 did you as a dietitian? what do you bring to the table in the plant based world that we need? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I hope that I bring a sense of kindness and compassion. And, you know, for me, I, I love connecting with people and listening to people's stories. And so, you know, often just asking people like, so what do you want to focus on talking about today? You know, why are you here? What is it that you want to achieve? And then kind of digging in a little bit deeper. And again, thanks to the WellStart uh, coach training program, I feel way, 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 way more equipped to kind of uncover um, what people want, you know, and, and then from there helping them understand how food is going to help them achieve their goals, because it doesn't matter what, what I want for that person, right? It's, it's all about what, what they want to achieve and why, and then helping them see how the food is connected to, to, to them reaching their desired goals. I mean, honestly, like all the science in the world isn't, what changes most people's hearts and minds, right? Mm. So if, if you were going to redesign the education that an RD received, what would it look like? Mm. Well, it would certainly include uh, classes on understanding how food gets, you know, from the factory farm to our plates and, you know, about organic farming versus conventional farm. Like, I, I think it's so important that we learn about food, you know, not the nutrients. Maybe that's important, too. But like, let's learn about the actual foods and how they work um, at fueling our bodies or, or, you know, causing disease or preventing disease. Um, and certainly having a better understanding of how to, um, I think, help people change, you know, maybe some more courses in, um, behavior change. Although maybe you, maybe you and Josh and Kevin can just come on in and, and create the curriculum on that for dietitians because it's quite effective, Howard. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, uh, beating the drum for a new cohort. So it certainly, uh, helps me to, to bring, uh, the coach training to uh, to public awareness. Tell me, tell me what what you were hoping to get out of it. Um, first of all, like what what were what were the frustrations that you were experiencing? I know you mentioned, you know, just wanting to tell everybody, and if they didn't listen, just tell, <laughs> tell them again louder. But uh, like, well, I had I had grown past that, and I would say thanks a lot to your, um, you know, to the Plan Yourself podcast because of so many of your guests. Um, 
and, and like books that I've read or like, I feel like so many of um, the people that you've interviewed share like practical tips and things that I can take like immediately from listening to the podcast and implement like, oh, let's try this with the patient. Um, you know, let's have them consider um, being curious about, you know, why they made a choice they didn't want to make versus, you know, feeling guilty about it and beating themselves up. So that's just one example. There are many. Um, so yeah, the coach training, I was just hoping that I could improve my ability to uh, help people make progress, right? Like I felt like I was struggling a bit in, um, from like a coaching standpoint, I'm, I, I didn't consider myself a coach. I considered myself more of like an educator and I felt like I was doing too much of telling people what to do, right? Instead of them choosing what to do. And so I really wanted to pr improve my skills there and helping them really create the plan that they follow versus me laying it out for them. Yeah. Is, is there a particular client or patient that you can remember being frustrated about your ability to help? Um, <laughs> well, any patient who asks me for um, a meal plan, right? Like when people come in and say, like, just tell me what to eat is usually frustrated with me because I don't like to do that. That that I don't know. How do you feel? Do you want to tell people you, like the the clients that you coach? Do you feel like just giving them a list of what to eat is effective at helping them change? No, but it feels good if, if that's all you've got. It feels pretty good in the moment because they like that. <laughs> uh, but know. I guess I, I think most of my first or, or, or patients perhaps who were like frustrated with not changing it was because I failed to help them set like the goals that I've now learned, like through the coach training. It's like, what are you going to accomplish between like, what is it that you will do um, between now and the next time that, that we chat or the next time that we see each other in person? Um, what is it that you're committed to doing and how are you going to track that, right? That's what I was lacking. I wasn't having people commit in a way where, or, or track in a way where we were able to review the data and then, you know, change the plan as needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds so simple to say. Like, I'm imagining people hearing that and say, oh, okay, so that's, that's all I have to do to be a coach is to ask people what they're going to do and <laughs> track it. No, it's right. it's not that simple. Being a coach is is probably the hard. Like it is so uncomfortable for me to um, wear that. Like to be in a role of of like telling somebody, like calling somebody on their BS. Sometimes, like I had to do that yesterday. Like kind of interrupting someone and in a nice way, but like letting them know that they're just telling themselves a story and like giving these reasons for 
why they can't achieve the results they want. It was all BS though. Like they're just, they're not working hard enough. They're not, they haven't done anything. Right. Um, and I struggle with that. Like, I don't want to be that person to, to say it, but well, actually it felt kind of good. (laughs) I, I now feel empowered. Like I now realize that, you know, no, like these people need to know that, you know, the change doesn't come without getting outside of that box of comfortability. And that's actually what coaching is for me. Like sometimes it feels really uncomfortable and it's something that I have to work really hard at and I have to practice. And I know that I have a long way to go before I I feel confident in my abilities, but you know, I think they're getting, I think they're getting better. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, as as coaches, it's important for us to be uncomfortable in, in interactions with our clients because we're that's what we're modeling ultimately. Right. Like the OK, so, Absolutely. you know, steam broccoli, like, you know, they might not do it, but they certainly can do it. And if we t- and we keep telling them, well, you got to steam the broccoli. Have you steamed your broccoli? Do you, do you buy broccoli? <laughs> do you have a steamer basket? Do you did you know how to pour water into the pot? Right. It's, it's far less important than, you know, when we feel like, oh, well, you know, it's so easy as a coach to kind of just let something slide in the conversation. Yeah. And then like to say to go there and realize that this is going to lead you. Know, they might feel bad or they might be embarrassed. Um, and to be okay with those feelings ourselves, I think, is the the greatest modeling we can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes down to, I realize, like, you take a step back and really think about what you're saying and what you're doing, um, like the whole mindfulness piece, the mindset piece of, um, you know, the coach training program and and you know, what is outlined in the book, Sick to Fit, with mindset, um, I just find it so powerful. You know, on the days when I'm complaining or, like, if I'm upset about something, you know, if I take a step back, which is what I'm, you know, doing more and more often, it's like, stop whining. Like, whatever problem it is that I think I have, it really isn't that big in the grand scheme of things, you know, like I'm grateful every day that, you know, I have a house, I have a house. I have like, I'm a very privileged individual and there is nothing that I'm facing right now. I mean, some people do have very real and big challenges and struggles. I'm not one of them at the moment. And, um, and so just changing that story that I tell myself, right? Like we have the ability to do that. Or, you know, the the story that people tell themselves of eating plant-based is hard. Like, you're just making it hard. Like, is it hard to go to the freezer and take out some frozen broccoli and steam it? <laughs> no, it's not hard. Is it the most delicious food in the world? I mean, maybe not. But, like, do you want to be healthy or or not, right? Right. <laughs> So I'm I'm just I'm curious, um, you know, of, of the coach training curriculum. What, what what were the bits that you found most useful or surprising or counterintuitive? Hmm. 
think the whole notion that like willpower isn't really a big deal, right? Or like, I don't know. I feel like I had always taught like I had always been taught like you have to you have to practice, right? You've got to have this willpower. You have to set up your environment so that you don't have to use a lot of willpower. Mm-hmm. That and and I feel like part of the training taught me that that's not necessarily true, right? Like, and and maybe this is some of uh, Judd Brewer's uh, conversations coming through as well. Um, you know, the choices we make are 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 fueled by reward, right? Right. And and um, you know, just helping people kind of change what that that reward is like why they're behaving in a way um you know help them see like the reward that they're getting from that behavior um and then perhaps choose a different course of action to experience a different reward right right it's it's funny because last week i was in Asheville. I got to interview uh, Danny and Catherine Dreyer, who are the creators of Chi Running. Oh, cool. And like, it's basically like mindful, a mindfulness practice of running, both for running improvement, but also just life improvement to be more mindful. And I've been for the last two days, I've been running with 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 their techniques in my head. And I realized like like that is such a key, like when you're mindful, you don't take the second bite of the crappy food that that tastes good. (laughs) Right. So it's like it's like you're you're being when you pay really exquisite attention and you have to practice doing that. Like when I was running, I was my the goal was feel good in every step. And so I was instead of running for six miles and coming back with a backache or a, a bum knee, as soon as I felt any sort of a twinge, I moved away from that towards something else. And if it felt better, I just kept doing it. And I think we can we can train ourselves to do that with so many behaviors that we because we, we think of it as, oh, our, our bad behaviors feel good now, but they hurt us later. But the truth Absolutely. is, the truth is most of them feel bad now, but we're just not <laughs> paying attention. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, the mindfulness. Um techniques and and yes just thinking about choices i love what i learned in in the coach training program to help people like like envision you are right like your life is like you're watching yourself do one thing or another right like you're watching yourself go to that buffet and and make all of the choices that that you want to make perhaps right like you're choosing the pizza and the wings and right like visualize yourself doing that and then think about how you're going to feel as a result and then visualize yourself like walking away from that dinner feeling like a huge winner right like what's the difference there what were your choices in that situation um i think that's a really powerful, like when people can visualize or think about like what they want to feel like in, I don't know, six months, a year, 
right? Like, what do you want your life to be like then? Um, and what will that person be doing, right? Like, how, what do you have to, to do to become that person? Hmm. So how are your patients responding to this? Um, well, I think, I mean, I, I just love the whole, the whole tracking piece now, right? It's like, for example, yesterday working with someone and, uh, you know, the, the, her, her due, right, is to consume at least a pound of, of non-starchy vegetables a day, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of the day, in order to track that, like, it's just a simple yes or no. Like, you can put a check on your calendar. Did I do it or did I not? And and that's it. It's not that she's writing down every single bite of food she puts in her mouth or logging it, you know, in my fitness pal. It's like, did I do this one action today? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, having that data when she comes back and seeing how often she achieved it. Did she achieve her goal of weight loss as a result? And then building onto or changing the plan from there, right? Like the fact that, you know, I love the line, like the result, um, your, your results um, dictate the sufficiency of your plan. Right. That's like, yeah, I love to throw that around now. I always say that it's from sick to fit, of course, but um, (laughs) it's so true, right? Like, what are you doing? Is it working? Yes or no? And then change the plan from there. Right. It's, it's, it's so strangely empowering when, when people adopt that mindset. It's like, oh, I do. I do have my I, this thing in my hand has been the rudder all along. Right. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk to you about is that as a dietitian now, you're not just concerned with food and nutrients, right? Like you've we're getting back to what we were talking about for those, uh, you know, long term care facilities. There's a lot more that humans need in order to be healthy, a lot more nutrients than we just get from food. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we need uh, kindness and love and and community and um, support and um you know, that's what I love about lifestyle medicine. Like I envision having this practice one day, it's going to be like cheers, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle medicine practice. Everyone knows your name and you love going there. And, um, you know, unlike going to, you know, many people dread going to the doctors. Right. But like, um, I think it's so important for all of those pieces to fit together and it's just pretty awesome now to be in a role where you know we are we are bringing people together we're building this community for people to learn and be supported and then go out and you know help somebody else um and that's pretty awesome and and also just helping people align align their values with with their choices in life, right? Like when people understand that the Amazon is being burned down to graze cattle, like most people are not okay with that. They don't know it, right? Or they maybe haven't thought about it. But when they think like, oh, yeah, that's not something that I want my, um, you know, my dollars supporting, 
I think that makes it a whole lot easier to help people with change too. And yet, you know, in recent conversations with non-plant-based dietitians, you know, they, they don't agree with that. And what's, what's the basis of their disagreement? Do, do they have alternate facts? <laughs> they just don't know the facts. Like they, they recently, um, you know, talking to three dietitians, um, all of whom had more, you know, credentials behind their name, more years of schooling than me. Um, none of them were familiar with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And so as I was referencing lifestyle medicine, they, one of them stopped me and said, well, that's, that's subjective. Like, what do you mean by lifestyle medicine? And, you know, so I directed her, she went online and looked up the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, but they truly, they just didn't know about it. Um, and I was talking to them about um, a per diem position um, at a university-based um, primary care center. And basically, the end of the conversation ended with one of them telling me that they would never be a center that promoted entirely plant-based nutrition. And in my head, I thought, oh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> and, and, and I ended by saying, you know, as dietitians, we have a responsibility to not just tell people about calories and fat and print. Like, there is so much more to food. And I think that we have a responsibility now knowing the destruction and the damage that the food industry is causing um, to human health, to the planet, to animals. Like that is our responsibility to educate people on all of that information. And it was just <laughs> pretty silent. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so you're, you're, you're preaching, there. you're preaching, <laughs> you're preaching public health to um, very myopic clinicians. Uh, right. Who see, so who see the, the person in front of them and their blood panel is their responsibility and nothing beyond it. That's so interesting because when you have a blood panel, right, and you see that, oh, yeah, I mean, if plant-based nutrition isn't what you're going to promote, then you are not making a difference in people's health and in the world. That's just what I believe. And I refuse to compromise. So having that discussion was definitely eye-opening because I think sometimes being in a space now of working with plant-based practitioners and, um, you know, now the dietitians I talk to are plant-based and going to conferences where I'm, you know, around like-minded individuals, I sometimes forget, right, that, that this still is not mainstream. And... Um, you know, there's still a long road ahead of us uh, for for having, you know, for, for making the way that we eat just become the new normal. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the first time someone told you you couldn't do something, you got a scholarship. Now someone says you can't open <laughs> an exclusively plant based practice. <laughs> Well, they said they weren't going to do it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, that's my that's my plan. I'm not quite sure 
how I'm going to get there, but I've got some awesome partners who, you know, we're in discussions of like, let we're going to make this happen. And we have mm-hmm. a pretty big vision, um, you know, for having a practice where we can reach people, uh, you know, in person and virtually and, and provide the type of care that, that we think everybody deserves. And, um, in a way that is affordable for all. Mm. So if someone's listening to this and wants to work with you or knows someone whom they think should work with you. Do you do you do that? Do you? Uh... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. People can reach me through email. Um, it's Karen at runs on plants, rd.com. How do you, and spell Karen for people. K-A-R-E-N. K-A-R-E-N. It runs on plants. RD.com. RD. Yep. .com. Okay. You also have, uh, I don't know, the, the, the Facebook, Insta, Twitter thingies going? Uh, I do, but you know, Howard, I wish that I didn't. Okay. So we, we won't send people there. <laughs> to be quite honest, I feel like they're a huge distraction in my life most of the time. Well, you don't find <laughs> kindness and connection on social media? <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I just I try to avoid the Twitter and the comments of YouTube and <laughs> I can find I can find pockets of kindness. Yeah, my my dad, again, was was really great at at pointing out like I had never thought to look at the comments that somebody would post after I started working at the physicians committee. I think I was interviewed for um, a newspaper article. And I sent it to my mom and dad, and my dad replied with, you should read all the comments. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. And I was like, Dad, why did you tell me to do that? (laughs) They were not nice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You you only go there for if you feel like, you know, laughing really hard or crying really hard. (laughs) Crawling under a rock somewhere, maybe, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right well any, anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet no i really enjoyed the conversation howard i just want to tell people give people another uh or, or give the wellstar coach training program another uh shout out for sure because it you know if people are listening who are healthcare professionals or, um, or not, you know, you just want to be more effective at, at helping people, um, you know, adopt healthier habits. It is so, so, so worth, worth your time and energy and money. Um, yeah. So don't think about it, just do it. Well, Karen, it's been so great talking to you, hearing everything you're up to and and knowing that there are you know, allies out there doing the good work is, you know, in a world where it feels like sometimes things are rolling in the wrong direction to and we can get very isolated. Um, it's it's great to connect with with teammates who are who are doing doing their own thing in the world. And uh, it was you know, just great to talk to you and get a, an infusion of your wisdom and energy. Oh, thanks so much, Howard. It's wonderful to talk with you finally. Um, and if I could just end by by um, letting people know that the coach training program is is such an amazing opportunity for so if anyone's listening, kind of 
contemplating it. Um, you know, it's well worth uh, your time and energy and 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 the money. Um, just, just don't think about it. Just do it. Um, you will be so happy that you did. Um, yeah, you'll get even more allies in doing the coach training program because I know with uh, the cohort of people that I was with, I now you know consider many of them to be my friends. And it's it's just a great way to to grow, uh, you know, this plant plant based community and and world of people who who want to do good and and help others. Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you to say. I'm I'm really gratified to hear that uh, the, the training is useful. And uh, yeah, if any people are listening and they and they want to check us out, it's wellstartcoach.com. And Karen Smith of RunsOnPlantsRD.com, thank you so much for all you do and for taking the time today. Oh, thanks so much, Howard. All right. Well, Karen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope everyone who listened enjoyed today's episode, got a lot out of it, and got inspired to increase the world's quotient, not just of plant-based eating, but of kindness and connection as well. So if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the mission of the show, there's so many ways to do it. The easiest, cheapest, freest, quickest way is just to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review and say something nice about the show or say something truthful about the show, if that's not the same thing. Um, you know, feedback is good. And the more people who find out about the show, because, you know, Apple's algorithms and other people's algorithms, take reviews and uh, stars into account when they um, decide who to show this to, to people who are not part of our movement. So, you know, the I started this podcast with zero listeners, and I've never advertised. I've never promoted in any sort of way. It's just all grown organically, and it's because people who listen to the show um, told other people about it. Another way to do it is to become a patron and support the show financially. This show and pretty much everything I do um, that's scalable uh, is free for the world, and it's all paid for, subsidized by people who can afford it. And I'm one of those people. And still, the, the vast majority of the funding for the show comes from me. And I love that there's a community out there, and you'll hear their names in just a little bit, a community of people who are also helping. So if you feel like you want to be part of that community and you want to help keep this show free for everyone, um, then you can go to patreon.com, search for Plant Yourself, or go to plantyourself.com and look for the Patreon button in the right sidebar and sign up for an ongoing monthly contribution. That really helps me out tremendously. Even if it's a small amount, it still helps because it also shows other patrons of Patreon um, things that they can support as well. And how else can you support the show? You can just tell other people about it. That's pretty easy. If you like this episode, you can post it on social media, take a screenshot, get a tattoo. Um, you know, you know all the things. Uh, what else is going on? So I have a couple of really fun guests coming up. I have Brittany Sade, whom I met at the uh, Triangle Veg Fest. And I've got an interview with our own, Well Start's own Ron Tibbs, who has an amazing story, which I know you will enjoy. Um, gardening news, we put in a pond. Uh, we, I, we've been digging it out, but it's going to go really cold in the next couple of days. And we've got a bunch of fish who are not going to be able to survive in above ground um, 
you know, tubs. So we dug a deep pond. It looks like hell right now, but uh, these things have a way of uh, naturalizing, get some growth around the sides, and uh, hopefully by spring, it'll be a, a, a beautiful natural feature that will support more wildlife, lotuses, and more biodiversity in our little yard. All right, in running news, um, still recovering from a weekend and a half ago's Ultimate Frisbee Tournament. I really have to look at it as kind of a, an intense race. Like if you're on a marathon, they say for every mile of a hard race, take that many days off. So I think this was kind of the equivalent of a marathon. So I'm doing my chi running. I signed up to be a chi running instructor and I got my materials. And so I'm just practicing real gently, um, getting my form down and recovering from the Frisbee Tournament. All right, I think it's time for thanks. Thanks, of course, to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. Check out willridenour.com for more. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Before I do that, I'm just noticing my voice is very deep and resonant this morning. I think it's because I got up early and it's cold out. And somehow, um, when I do this in the afternoon, my voice tends to get higher. But right now, it's nice and nice and deep. So uh, let's, let's do this. Kim Harrison and Michaela. Let's try again. Kim Harrison. Oh my God. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ron the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selly, Claire Adams, Tom Project, Jeanette Benham, Gila Serre, David Donnie, Blair Cyborg, Drone of Ezo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesen, Rayland Thunderbird. Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rise with Sips, Swiss, Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Berger, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Bump, Theresa Cobble, Shell Rudlis, Julian Watkins, Beard O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Chad Hirschman, Kate Rosalind, Diat, Julie Lang, Home Medicata, Hedegaard, Isa Tuzan Watt, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Avila L, Heather O'Connor, Karen Jensen. Sherry Olakoski of Plant Power for Health. Scott Karen Smith. Yoo! Scott Morani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Burke, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty D. Martina, Mike and Donna Cars, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trish Adams, Ian Kramer, and Nancy Sheldon. Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, and Sally Robertson for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, 
you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filikonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, with Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harperson, Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Colm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzawa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan. Patty Martino, Mike and Donna Karts, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends.